standing on a podium or if you're speaking to an audience, is to talk about yourself and put yourself on a pedestal. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Wednesday, so this is our hashtag one thing episode. Sangram and I discuss various topics that are applicable to you and our community, like personal development, trends in the marketplace, big wins, big mistakes, and more. Here we go. Welcome back to the Flip My Funnel podcast. As always, we are joined by Sangram Vajray. My name is James Carberry. Sangram, how you doing today, man? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? I am fantastic. Really excited to dive into today's topic. You're you're in a little bit of a weird uh, a weird uh, situation though today. Give the listeners a little bit of context as to uh, what your world is looking like right now as you're recording this. Well, so I'm sitting in my garage right now, of all places, and one of the reasons is I came back late from from an event in Vegas. So it was like around midnight, and then I decided to just work from home. My mom is here, so she's sleeping in the basement right now. My wife has asked some cleaners to come, which I didn't know about. So they are all cleaning around the house. So the only potentially quiet spot, unless my landscaper shows up, which is very possible, <laughs> uh, is, is my garage right now. Wow. And you're still making it happen. So dedication. I love it. And I'm sure I'm sure the folks listening to this love it as well. So, so Sangram, today we're going to be talking. You, you said you just got back from a conference. You've been doing a ton of talks lately. This year, I think you've done like 30-something talks or something. It seems like every time we're texting back and forth, you're just coming off a stage. You're about to step on a stage. And you just read a really interesting book about you know, how, to, how to deliver a TED Talk. And there was a lot of takeaways, five specific takeaways you took from this particular book. Can you tell us a little bit about the book before we, we dive into the five specific takeaways? Yeah, man. I think yeah, this book is written by Jeremy Donovan. He, the book is called How to Deliver a TED Talk. And uh, as I've been speaking quite a bit this year, I, I've been trying to figure out what works, what doesn't. I've been very, I'm, I'm trying to observe a lot of different people. And I think it's important for everybody, regardless of you giving a talk on a stage of thousand people or in a boardroom. How you open your talk, how you close your talk, what are the things that you focus on? How do you think about your presentation slides is really important because communication is at the heart of if you're going to get what you need to get done approved or not. And I'm just learning a ton on it. And this book, it's a very short, quick read. I read it on a, on a flight back as I was, was coming back from Vegas. And man, it, it has really good nuggets on how do you open, how do you talk, and also how do you close? Because a lot of times that's where people mess up. Yeah. So let's start diving into to each of those points, Sangram, because I think you make a lot of, uh, you know, I, I read a book, it was probably a couple of years ago, a, a similar book. I think it was, I think the guy's last name was Gallo, but it was about delivering a TED talk. And, and I, I picked up on the similar, like how you open a talk is, is critically important, but I don't think a lot of people necessarily talk about that. There's a lot of different elements you're going to cover here. Let's dive into the first one, which is how to open. What were your takeaways from this section of the book? All right. So we're going to dive next up in how not to open. So I'm not, I'm going to try to avoid saying that, well, let's not do that. But okay. here are the type of openings 
that he mentions in the book, and I think this is this is probably going to hit home to a lot of people. One type of opening that he has seen work really well is when you open with a personal story. Now, if you think about one of the greatest, you know, you think about Mark Benioff or Steve Jobs, or if you think about all the great speakers of our times that are alive, we know that there's some sort of personal connection that we get with these people. So he said that opening with a personal story is by far one of the most effective way of getting people's attention. Now, he didn't stop there and he's not, not every time you're going to have a personal story. So if you are delivering a message on a very specific thing, maybe, maybe you talk about a shocking statement, right? You, you start with a statement that will get people's attention. And, and he has some examples around it where you can literally go and say, hey, did you know that what, what happened, you know, X number of people in the world don't have water? And all of a sudden, most people will be shocked with something like that. So yeah. use a shocking statement. Or number three, and this is where, where, where this is what I like to do a lot of times when I don't have a personal story connecting is ask a very important question that will, that will get people thinking. Uh, you might remember, uh, James, that at, at the Flip My Phone conference, I started with this question like, well, in B2B, the value of marketing is defined by what? And I think that became, that, that just made everybody kind of lean in and try to answer this question, trying to discuss this question. So the third option, if you don't have a personal story, if there's nothing shocking that you're going to just put out there that will just get people's attention, then try to see if you can ask a question and get people thinking about the topic. So they're not on their phone, but actually thinking about it. Yeah, I love it. And so so th- those three specific ways to open are super helpful. And you alluded to it before. And now I want to talk about how not to open I remember a few things. I'm, I'm curious to see if, if what you learned in this book aligned with what I learned in, in the book that I read. So what are some things we can do that are kind of the how not to's? All right. So there are like five things he, he listed down here, and I've probably done all of it. So I have no way saying that this is not what I've done. So I'm, I'm learning. He said, do not try to open with a quote because it is the most cliche thing you could possibly do with a quote from Gandhi. You could quote from uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, or it was just, it is one of the most, it, that's where you get the eye rolls because you just try to go over the top in the beginning. So do not try to open with a quote. That's very cliche. Number two, do not try to open with a joke uh, mm. and try to get like, and again, if you know, trying to get people to laugh in the first 30 seconds is a good thing because it has a physical response to something and it eases people, it primes people for what's coming next. But trying to force a joke that is not needed in the first 30 seconds uh, is, is not, not always a good idea. Um, mm. So jokes are not, not always one. Don't try to come up with a cartoon or you know, something like that that, that just is just out there. And it doesn't really add value to the rest of the conversation in a big way, unless it is a point that you're really trying to make. Don't try to do that. It's just a cutesy thing. It, it, it's not something that people will remember as a remarkable presentation. So don't try to be just cute. And this is something that surprised me. He said, and this is what I see happen all the time. Don't start with saying thank you. Thank mm. you for being here. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for, and like people already know that. Like you don't need to do that. If you want to thank you, then try doing that at the end. Don't don't start there, even though that's our obvious response. And and people just expect that. Okay, yeah, of course you're thankful for us. Like we paid tickets for it, or whatever it might be the case. So don't don't try to just thank you. And then then don't be, don't start with something he sees that that people do this all the time. 
that, hey, before I begin, let me share something with you. Like, so that's like, well, you've already begun. Like, well, yeah. what are you talking about? So yeah. those were the five that I feel I've done every one of those mistakes. <laughs> the, one, the one that I've heard that I didn't hear you mention there, Sangram, is don't open with an introduction of yourself, which was uh, like, when I first heard it, it was like really counterintuitive. It was like, because that's so natural. Like, hey, everyone, my name is James Carberry. I'm the founder of Sweetfish Media. Da-da. Like, that just, and today I'm going to talk about da-da-da. But the book that I read talked like those opening words are so critical that he too mentioned like opening with a personal story or kind of a, a shock statement. I think he mentioned a question too. So those three were, were very aligned, but he also mentioned don't open by introducing yourself. Where do you stand on that? Do you think that that's permissible or, or should that be a no-no as well? Oh man, that is such a good point. I, I, what I try to do is I try to get somebody to intro me yeah. because I think it's important for people because unless you are Brené Brown, right? Or you're Simon Sinek or, or somebody like that, like sometimes you walk into territories that nobody knows about you and, and that's okay. Like nobody knows about you and if it's a very captive audience, but if you're in a breakout and some of those things, I think there is some value in somebody else introducing you. So I think even in TED Talk, you just don't walk into a TED Talk the way we look at it. I think the way it happens is somebody's actually introducing somebody and, and they say a few things about that. So when that happens, I think it allows you to just jump into the story and, and get yeah. attention. The last talk I did, it was in Vancouver. It was a little bit ago. And I opened up with a story, a really kind of compelling story from earlier in my career about how I landed you know, this dream job doing helicopter logistics for NASCAR. And so kind of started with, you know, I remember exactly where I was when I got the phone call and that, that line instantly had people kind of at the edge of their seat. When you, like, I didn't open with, Hey, I'm James or like literally I walked on stage. And the first thing I said was, I remember exactly where I was when I got the phone call. And, and so I, I worked kind of through, through that introductory story. I think it was two or three minutes, whatever it was. But I worked in towards the end of that, you know, that that I'm the founder of a, a B2B podcast agency. And like I said, all the things that I would have wanted either somebody else to say in my intro or that I would have typically said at the beginning. I just figured out a way to work it into the story that I told at the beginning. And it ended up killing two birds with one stone because I I got to open in a really compelling way. But I also got to give a little bit of my background and give people some context on kind of where where I'm coming from. And so that was what worked for me. I don't know that that necessarily works with everyone. Obviously, if you're if you're doing something shorter, if you're, you know, just have a shock statement, maybe that's a little bit tougher to do, but that's how I rolled with it. Man, I think that's a brilliant idea. I think that's probably one of the biggest takeaways is that, well, you know, you want to share your personal story because you want people to connect and some people may not know you. And as you talk about it, that just becomes part of your story then I think people would, would give that a pass. So I, yeah. I feel like that's brilliant. And I'm glad, glad you're doing it. I, I took note on that one. So I'll try to do that next time I do. This next one that you mentioned here, Sangram, is the use of pause and you. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, man. I think they, in this book, Jeremy really got into this. And he had paragraphs after paragraphs of like Bernie Brown or Simon Sinek or you know so Richardson like just just went on and on of all these people who have done really remarkable TED talks and he said that what they do probably more effective than anybody else is the use 
of an attention grabbing pause. And I just paused there for a second, right? <laughs> you know, it is that like, so they, so, so I'm going to just read up a sentence that I'm, uh, I'm holding the book right now and, and reading from it. So, so you, you can probably notice this. They would say something like in his, in his notes, in his book, he says, yeah, they will follow through a story and then say, but there's another way. And then they will walk through that, whatever they're on the way. Yeah. Or they would say something like, hey, let me leave you with this. And then they will talk about it. So that pause, that when, when is there's this constant monologue where you know, a lot of people struggle with, where they, they can't move, their, their, the pitch doesn't go up and down to get people's attention here and there. In those cases, I think it's even more important to have a pause because if you don't have a pause, then people are probably not attention and pause has a dramatic effect on any and everything that's coming right after the pause. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're, you're totally right. And, th- and then is it also strategic with the use of the word you? Yeah, man. I think he, this is where he also gets into like, they would be very much using the word you instead of I or we. And this is something I always thought that like, like I'm saying right now, I think this is how it is. So I say I say I to so that I'm not trying to point at somebody, right? I feel like if I say you should do this, then I feel like I'm I'm like really telling something what somebody what to do. And I wouldn't like that for somebody to do to me. So sometimes I use the word I not talk about myself. I want to put the onus on me, right? So so that's the way I use I. And what they are saying is you need to use the word you a lot more. So there is a there's a special thing that happens in your brain when it calls for attention as soon as somebody says the word you. For example, in an ideal case, you, even though it doesn't necessarily have to be one person, the, the audience will connect with that is that you'll be doing so and so so that you can achieve such and such goal. And you, and, and he went on like, hey, if you looked at any or listened to any Steve Jobs presentation or any Apple presentation, which we all know is one of the best presentations that they've ever given, maybe a product demo or a, or Steve Jobs himself doing, he will use the word you like almost like every two sentences or so. Mm. Imagine you can, you know, just open up this thing and it takes yeah. it out of your hand and it's, and it's just in your hand. And so you and you are, it's just interchangeably used the whole time. He never says that I created this product that I can use now and keep it in my hand. He literally reverses and says, imagine if you can hold it in your hand, in your palm of your hands, have these 150,000 songs. And imagine if while you're on a run, you can listen to these songs. So the word of you, use of word you is pretty important. I love it. I love it. Yeah, the the classic line, a thousand songs in your pocket. And uh, (laughs) it's easy to, to say, oh, of course he said that, but to look back on that and go, oh no, the use the use of that your was very strategic is is super interesting. the The next point here uh, that you learned from the book Sangram is you know this idea of making someone else the hero. I think this is I I see this in a lot of kind of your uh, just how you live life. So I would imagine this really resonated with you in terms of how to deliver a talk. Give us some context here. What does this mean in the context of of giving a presentation or giving a talk? Absolutely, man. And I think if, if people can go back and listen to one of the podcasts that you and I did talking about the story brand book by Donald Miller, he, he talks about making others heroes, your customers heroes of your story. And he talks about this, like when you're even doing giving a talk, he says, Malcolm Gadwell, one of the greatest speakers out there, you know, one, they use the word you, 
but they also are not coming up with all the answers. They are using examples after examples after examples to create. So when you think about all these people being super smart and super amazing thought leaders, in reality, what he's trying to, to uncover for all of us is that these are all people who are looking at great stories and connecting the dots and then putting them as examples and making them heroes. And that's how they themselves are elevating their position in your eyes. Mm. And that to me is, is really, really big takeaway. So, so he says the worst thing you possibly can do when you're standing uh, on a podium or if you're speaking to an audience is to talk about yourself and, and put yourself on a pedestal. Again, it's, it's absolutely the worst thing that you could possibly do. Even though when you're telling a story of your own success, you have to figure out a way to show gratitude, show how others have helped you be successful, even if it's your own story. I think the last thing you want to do is show yourself as the person yeah. who made it all. That makes so much sense. I mean, no, nobody is attracted to an arrogant kind of self-absorbed person. But I think if you're not intentional about it, you could accidentally come across that way without even realizing that you're doing it. So that's that's a really good piece of advice. This last note that you had here, Sangram, in the book, they talk about how to close your talk. Share share with us what you learned there. All right. So when you close your talk, and this is super important because it's just like the opening, it is super easy to just walk away with like the last two minutes and the first two minutes of your talk are for the most part, the most important. Even just before I get into what they said, I was at an event in Canada and I heard, I forget the name of the person who actually worked with the Disney world and all the Disney movies and characters. And he said, hey, look, the most important thing, the most important thing when you're telling a story is at the end of the day, it's important for people that they have some sort of feeling from your presentation. They're not going to remember what you said. They're not going to remember all the stats not going to remember all the quotes, whatever you went through the presentation for 40, 45 minutes, but they will remember how you made them feel. Mm. So that's, this is where how to close and how to open is because now this is the time where you have kind of taken away 20, 30, 40 minutes of their time. And at this point, in some ways they're thinking, was that 30 minutes of my time valuable? Now, just like people listening to this podcast, I think one of the reasons we are trying to close with our podcast with a challenge is because we want people to leave with some thought, some questions, some action, so they can feel like whatever the time they spend listening to the podcast is valuable. The same goes with your talk, your presentation that, that you might do. So what, what he really got into is saying that, hey, look, you, you, can, you can end your, your conversation with a thank you. And if you're just saying that, then that's okay. But you know, entertain this, this, this thought for a second. Instead of saying thank you, you could literally end with, and this is what I think he said Bernie Brown does really well. She typically ends with saying something like this. Instead of a thank you, she would say, and that I think in a world like this, this idea that I just shared is word spreading can have a great impact on everything that you do starting today. And then just leave the stage or and just have that pause. And people would just try to kind of process that thought. So instead of saying thank you specifically, he was just like, you know, just the word thank you. You know, yes, we should be thanking, but it should be part of your conversation throughout. But the end of your talk, people are really evaluating, was that worth my time? And a thank you is not going to cut it. It's more than that. It's a challenge. It's a question. It's an ask. It's an action item, something that they can take away and noodle on. I love it. 
I love it. What are your thoughts on Sangram ending, like particularly like breakout sessions? I'm about to go give a talk in Salt Lake City in a couple of weeks. And I was thinking about closing it by asking for questions. And it's just some more tactical, you know, we're talking about how to grow a podcast and how to start and grow a podcast. So it's more tactical in nature. It's not like a Brene Brown type talk or even like the kind of talks that you've been doing at your keynotes. Would you say that ending it with questions is probably a bad idea as well? Well, it depends, I think, in, in the size of your group. So if it's a small group setting, I feel like those kind of things are incredibly powerful. I feel if I love when it's a smaller group just because I can really walk the room and have conversations and people feel kind of intimate in those questions, conversations and having a dialogue. If you can create that, then everybody's super engaged and they get a ton of value out of it, just listening to each other. So I think if you could do that, that would be the best. That's actually what I did when I was in Vegas yesterday. But, but if you are on a bigger stage and if you are doing, if you're doing a, a presentation that is to a bigger audience, at that point, I think you have to be very selective of what you can really end with. A lot of times, it's really hard to end with questions because people start to move around and there's not a... So that's why you won't see a lot of keynotes ending with questions. A lot yeah. of keynotes end with the speaker giving people a thought somewhere where they all take away an action item or they try to summarize themselves and say, here are the big two takeaways for you. Or, or just give them a question at the end, like to, to ponder, like, how would you do that? Like in, in some of the ones that I'm trying to do is say, how do you practice authenticity in your day-to-day life, in day-to-day work? And, and I think that a question could be really powerful as well. I like it. Awesome, man. All right. So in true Wednesday episode fashion, what is the challenge that you want listeners to walk away with today? <laughs> all right. So first of all, none of these are easy, easy things to do. I think... I struggle and, and I know James does and, and so almost every other person who, who has anything. But I think it's a very important topic and I would love for people to listen and tune in and take notes uh, if this this is something of interest. And if you are in a leadership position where you have to do a lot of communication, this is important. The one challenge that I would love to give everybody is to all of these five things of how do you open, how do you close, do you pause or not, do you have the word, the use of the word you like or making and making sure that you have heroes and storytelling in your talk it's it's really hard to do all of them together so don't try to do it all take one thing out of this thing maybe maybe the next conversation you have you think about how you can open it and nail that thing and then once you nail it you know go to the next thing how do you how you can close it or how you going to tell a personal story or the word of use because you can't focus on some of these things at one time and then over a period of time you'll just get her at the whole thing and that's what I'm trying to do so just focus on one thing that you feel comfortable with so you can get a quick win on it. I love it. Awesome, Sangram. Well, if you're listening to this, we are so grateful for your time, for your attention. If you have not already left a review of the show on Apple Podcasts, go on ahead and leave a review. Those are incredibly helpful. Help us get this content in front of a lot more people. Uh, would love to connect with you on LinkedIn. Sangram Vajray, James Carberry always looking to connect with folks like the people that are listening to this show. So uh, thank you so much for listening and have a fantastic week. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.